We are back listeners and it's time for another episode of the Novel Expressions Book Club. I'm Natalie, the youngest sister. I'm Jess, the middle sister. I'm Pam, the oldest sister. And I'm Nancy, their mom. Today we are discussing a new author that we love and I think we are talking, I think we said this at the end of our last episode, this author is who we actually started book club with. We had yep. the book in the bag from the public library. Love those. Um, and so today we're discussing Love Walked In by Marissa De Los Santos. Um, this is the first of a four-part series. That's what it says. Yeah. So first of a four-part series, we've read all four, but it's so long ago that um, this, for, for me at least, was like a whole new book almost. I had a lot of remembrance once I read it, but um, I couldn't quite remember exactly how things happened. So it was really enjoyable to read again. So let's dive into our discussion. Well, I'll be happy to get started. I had forgotten how much I love our author's writing style. Parenthetical explanations to the reader, which I adore. Her beautiful descriptions and the dialogue scenes between Cornelia and her best friend. So good. I was actually thinking about why do we like the writing style? You know, mom mentioned some of the reasons. I think for me, Cornelia talks to us. And we have mentioned that I don't know how many times in other book talks, um, a lot of Beatrice Williams books, you know, the, the characters talk to us. So I started thinking, why do we like that? Why do we like when one of the characters talks to us? And I think it's because we think of these characters as real people. So it's like they're our friends sharing little secrets and stuff with us. So I don't know if you guys agree, but that's, that's what I've come up with. I totally agree. I think when, especially when I'm reading a good book, I completely immerse myself into that world to where I feel like I'm there with them. And sometimes I have a hard time transitioning out of that world back into real life. And so because of that, when they're talking to me, it actually feels like I'm there. And that's why I love Beatrice books. That's why I really like this one, this particular voice of Cornelia. Just so good. I agree. And I was going to say this earlier when Natalie was talking about these. Um, I'm excited to read them right in a row because that's not how we read them the first time. You know, they were split up. So I'm excited about that. Um, also, mom mentioned the beautiful descriptions. You know, Marissa has a way with words. I had read, I think it was at the beginning of the book. What I learned is that she has a poetry background. She actually has a lot of um, published poems. So that might be where some of that writing style comes from. And so many of her similes were perfect. And I wish I had written down one or two or 10 of the similes that she used. But I remember when I was reading them thinking, yes, that's exactly right. The other thing that I loved writing style wise is that at one point, point Cornelia wants to tell us this story about the really awkward and embarrassing conversation that she and Lenny had in the cheese shop about her sexual encounter. Um, and she tells us, the readers, I'm gonna tell the story in third person because it makes me feel uncomfortable and so it feels better telling the story like that. And then she proceeds to do just that. 
And I just love that she was switching like that because it's so her character, but it also just makes me happy as an English teacher that she was doing that. Absolutely. Um, I shift gears a little bit. Let's just get into the story itself, not the way it was told. But can you imagine being 11 years old and trying to completely take care of yourself? Go to school, do the shopping, feed yourself, make sure you have your clothes ironed or whatever because you're trying to hide your parents' mental illness. That was just heartbreaking to me. It really was. I think the part for me that really, really just hit me was when she went to that, um, I think it was a diner and she ordered breakfast and she sat there as an 11 year old and made this to-do list that broke down every single part of her life so that she wouldn't forget anything, any little detail that would then tip people off that something was wrong with her mom. And I just like, I love to-do lists, but the fact that a little girl had to do something like that it was just awful. It made me think of um, the Alex and his little sister from the Vanessa Diffenbaugh book, We Never Asked for Wings. Right. And how like they had to try to figure out food to eat or like how to get to school and look presentable so that nobody would know. And then when Alex burned himself really bad, right? Didn't he but burn it, himself? Yes. Yeah. But at least he had someone there. She was all... Yeah alone. She couldn't even tell her friend what was going on. Mm -hmm. Well, and actually the fact that she had that, you know, that idea that I shouldn't tell because here's what could happen. Mm -hmm. You know, that she, that just shows like that maturity and that understanding. But at the same time, that's really sad because it would have been better to get help. I mean, thankfully she was okay. You know, thankfully Claire, nothing happened to her. I mean, something could have. You know? And because she was so close to her mom, she knew that something could happen negatively to her mom in terms of them taking her away from her. And so she wanted to make sure that that didn't happen. So she was really protecting her mom. Just so sad. Right. And little did she know at the time her dad was going to die. And mm-hmm. I mean, then what would she, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, really, and then I'm sure we'll get into this, but how much. Cornelia really helped protect her from essentially being, you know, maybe a ward of the state or something in a foster situation. I was really angry with Martin when he kind of brushed her uh, aside when she called and was talking about how she was afraid about what was going on. But I, so once I got past that and I saw the relationship as a whole, it just made me so sad because it wasn't like Martin was a horrible father. It wasn't like he was mean to her, but he just didn't, it just felt like he didn't really care about her. And I just can't imagine what that would be like to, to know that you're just not really wanted. Yeah. He was emotionally distant. Mm -hmm. It was, it was like, she just didn't exist for him. Mm -hmm. Like not in any real way that was his responsibility. Yeah. She was a problem that he unfortunately was, was thrust upon him and he didn't really like it. What do you guys think when he started to show that remorse, you know, um, do you think it was because he truly felt bad for ignoring her or do you think it was because, oh crap, Cornelia's upset that I ignored her? 
I think it was a little bit of both. I think he probably was confronted with his own uh, lack of parenting. (laughs) And I think made him feel bad. I think he also definitely wanted to keep Cornelia. I think it was because Marissa wanted us to at least feel some sadness that he died and feel like it was not just like, who cares? I mean, I mostly felt like, who cares? So did I, except for the fact yeah. that it put player in another predicament. Yeah. Right. That's true. I will say the one sort of good thing that came out of her mom's illness and all that, and I don't know if this maybe started because of that or if this is just how Claire is, but I just felt like she was, for an 11-year-old, so observant of other people. There would be so many times where she'd be watching Teo and um, Cornelia interact or Cornelia interact with her family members, and she would make comments about them. And the way they came across, she was just wise beyond her years. Here's what I think about that. I think that this was not the first time mom had had problems with her mental health. It it had never gotten this bad before, but this was, it was not the first time. Claire learned early on that she needed to pay attention, especially at home with her mom. And she did that. She watched her unravel. And so it became part of who she was to pay attention in life generally. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because she wanted to be Nancy Drew. (laughs) so I got so excited with that reference first of all so many literary references and we'll mention some but Claire at 11 years old was so well read had I loved her little categories of characters you know Mm -hmm. and how she would think of them and, and how she used them almost like as role models so yeah that does indicate mom was kind of a mess her whole life maybe um but when she started talking about how Nancy Drew described, you know, she, they, she did this and what she was wearing and how this, or was that Cornelia that mentioned Nancy Drew? I'm second guessing myself now. I think it might've been Cornelia. Because yeah, it said it was the idea Talking that like, the what she, yes, what yes. she was wearing matters. That was Cornelia then, my bad. Um, so yeah, but just, I love the literary references. So I guess we'll go back to what mom said. She, it, it was because of her mom's mental illness, not because Claire wanted to be Nancy Drew. Well, speaking of literary references, my favorite, and we all know how much I love this book, To Kill a Mockingbird. I've named two dogs after characters from the book at this point, Um, but they did a reference to Atticus Finch and Bob Ewell at the end of the novel. If you haven't read To Kill a Mockingbird, I will not spoil it for you, but it is probably one of my favorite books of all time, and so I love that they brought it up in here. Um. On a much lower, uh, I don't know what I want to say here, but um, on not a quite as serious or literary note, I'll say it that way. Um, I really like the Schoolhouse Rock reference. <laughs> it was like such a minute thing, but I loved Schoolhouse Rock. I would love to find them all. Like I could sing you probably some of the songs if you wanted. I could talk about being a bill on Capitol Hill. Um, I really enjoyed Schoolhouse Rock. And so I love that little quick reference to it in this book. Yeah, De Los Santos used a lot of references to literature, to music, to movies. And I always marvel at a writer who can so seamlessly and brilliantly incorporate them into her writing, which is what she did. 
Does anyone else want to talk about any literary thing before I get on something totally off track? Okay, so I just want to talk real quick. How dreamy is Teo? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I want to marry the guy. Mm -hmm. He just seems so handsome, so sweet, so wonderful. So oh. fun. Yes. The, his that. entrance and she says, Teo, I love that. Yeah, it's so great. Which also I do appreciate that Marissa did that in order to tell us how to say it because we didn't know his name was Mateo at first. Mm -hmm. And I was going to start reading it differently until mm -hmm. I saw that. And I was like, okay, yeah. that's right. That's how we say it. I how think are you going to say I, it? I think the thing I loved about him more than anything, though, is that as amazing as he looked, he was completely unaware of it. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, he knew it. It wasn't something that he thought about much. And so I just love that about him, that he wasn't, uh, you know, sickening about being so attractive. Um, Mom just saying sickening made me think of RuPaul's Drag Race. <laughs> Which, yes. in which case sickening means a different thing it's very positive totally sorry um you look sickening um yeah. anyway told like side note but i also really liked how claire was so like flustered by him and thought mm -hmm. he was you know so handsome and stuff um i really pictured jackson avery from Grey's anatomy i think jesse williams is his like in real life name not sure it's quite right, but I feel like he's real dreamy too. That man is like hot. Light eyes and caramel skin. Oh, mm. yes. Let's he is go. so cute. I, I hadn't thought about that reference. And then when I saw that that's what you were going to compare him to, I was like, oh, yes. yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he's so cute. Yes. Um, on the flip side, I had a really hard time with, so like Cornelia in general, I could picture like the short pixie hair and like that whole, her whole look. What I really struggle with is the 85 pounds. Like, isn't Radley Jess like 85 pounds? Yes, my like dog. your dog. <laughs> yes. Um, I just, I really have a hard time imagining what an 85 pound person, like adult woman looks like. Right. Like I mean. I'm trying to think of what, what grade would a kid, a girl be in that she would be that size, would you say? Typically. Sixth or seventh, maybe. Yeah. I like, can't even imagine. Small. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Teo, I could definitely picture. Cornelia. <laughs> thanks for the photo, mom. Yes, <laughs> we can all swoon over. Jesse Williams. Uh, Cornelia, I had a little bit of a harder time. For sure. And I'm going to be judgy for a second. I'm having a hard time with a pixie haircut when you're that size. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just made me think of like, like an elfkin. I don't know. Yes. But Teo's totally attracted to Cornelia. So she yeah. must be good. And I think I worked with a teacher years ago who was tiny like that. And she looked adorable with her pixie haircut. Mm. Because if you have too much hair on that tiny of a person, kind of overtakes you. So mm -hmm. I think the pixie may have been because she was tiny everywhere else. So why not tiny hair? That's true. Yes. Besides Teo's amazing looks, I also really enjoyed um, his relationship with Claire. And I thought that the author did a really good job of capturing something that's so true about kids. And that's if they feel safe, they are willing to kind of like relax, put their guard down and 
you know, talk and all that kind of stuff. And that is what she did with Teo. As soon as she met him, she felt comfortable with him. She felt safe with him. And she was able to share things that she maybe wouldn't have told other people because she knew that he was a safe space for her. Yeah. There were so many wonderful things about this book, but boy, the end. Cry, 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 cry. I just could feel that goodbye. I was afraid Claire wasn't going to come downstairs. I understood why she wouldn't, but I just, oh, I was crying. And I'm not much of a crier, but I was crying. At the same time. Um, oh, <laughs> do we believe that mom's not that much of a crier? Only yeah. when it comes to certain things. I wish I, like, when people tell me sad stuff, I wish I could, like, cry. And <laughs> you, like, make them. jokes and, like, that's different. At books and I movies, I, I just, think in those or, instances, you're more or of a crier. commercials. You get emotional at <laughs> commercials. I do. Like, stupid <laughs> stuff. That's what I'm saying. I'm not much of a crier in the right moments. No, because yeah. then you act inappropriately. Right. So you misbehave. Right. We have definitely talked about that. So yeah. our listeners. Yes, they are aware. <laughs> well, okay. So here's what I was going to say. It is for sure sad. And I feel for Claire. I feel for Cornelia. But I also felt like it was hopeful at the mm -hmm. end because sure. there is this new journey, right? Like ultimately Claire should be with her mom. You know, oh, I have to say this. I was thinking about when she was telling Teo, I think, she, yeah, she was afraid about, you know, these tiny little pills that are going to keep mm -hmm. mom in check, basically. And that was such a, I don't know, like a cool thing to think about because, yeah, that's kind of scary that she knows what mom would be like without this tiny little pill. But what's awesome is, where she's staying surrounded by this neighborhood that's amazing and, and these cultures. people yes who are totally going to make sure mm -hmm. yeah are totally going to make sure that you know that she's okay you know and and so that part was hopeful for me that the mom that you know Claire and Viviana are going to to get a go at their little family you know um and that Cornelia obviously is you know, going to go to school and figuring out what she's doing and going to go with Teo. So it was sad, but I all, it wasn't just like a downer. So that was no. nice. I will tell you that I was glad that they decided that they weren't going to live in the house together, Cornelia and mom and co-parent Claire, because I don't think that's very realistic. So I was glad that it didn't happen, you know, in that perfectly happy ending. Oh, Claire will go off with Teo and Cornelia and be her daughter, her daughter and blah, blah, blah. I was glad it happen that way plus as we said at the beginning this is mm -hmm. one of four books mm -hmm. right. right and i've already started the second one Me too. delicious also can i just say since mom mentioned the whole living in the house thing how selfless is cornelia right mm -hmm. i mean okay you know like just taking claire on you know immediately um, even how like kind she was to Martin, even though she was feeling a certain way, then, you know, taking her home. Now she's got this house that's been given to her by a woman she really loves. And she loves the house. She prizes the possessions in the house. It's not just like, oh, good. Somebody live there so they can take care. Of I mean, that's not how she feels, you know? Right. So just all of that, I'm impressed with her, her character. Mm -hmm. You know, she's, she's a good girl. And you know what? I was glad that 
the through the father's talk with Cornelia that they shared mom's background a little bit mm-hmm. because we heard about this mom who was just this mom. And then we learned why she found it so important to be there for her kids and to take care of them and how easy it is when you have a mom like that just to take them for granted. And yet when her father kind of corrected Cornelia about, you think this looks easy? You know, this is what your mom did and this is why she did it. I thought that was really great. I liked mm-hmm. learning that about the mom. Um, something you just said made me think of something. So I'd like to ask my sisters who are married to brothers this question. Um, how weird is it that Cornelia is now going to date Teo, who was married to her sister? I, yeah. It is totally not the same thing. I know. It's totally not the same I just feel like maybe you guys have a unique perspective. <laughs> I'll let you you take this one, Jess. I have no unique perspective because of my current situation, but I will say, (laughs) I guess in Cornelia's defense and Teo's defense, they, the other two did not marry for love. So that makes me feel a little bit better, but it would be so weird. I don't think I could do it. And here's what I will say. um, Ollie deciding to marry him, I get because of her personality. Mm-hmm. him deciding to marry Ali is more of a surprise and a shock to me because I think he really has been in love with Claire or for, uh, in love with Cornelia this entire time since they were children. Why he would settle for Ali. Yeah. It makes me know. wonder what was going on in Cornelia's life at that point in time. Yeah. Because I do vaguely remember him saying something about him thinking that she wouldn't have given them him the time of day or that he, she wasn't paying attention to him. Like he was right. hoping. So I'm not sure how that interaction was. Maybe it was just because she didn't realize she loved him at that point. Right. I don't know. Yeah. I wondered that too. Like, did she have a serious guy and he thought, well, not going to happen, you know, mm-hmm. but you know what, even if they hadn't dated, what a good friend to have. Mm. Oh, yeah. He was such a good friend to her. Um, One of the other things that I was thinking about this past week um, and seeing one of my nieces in particular is when I was reading the book, I was kind of like, is this whole like, is Claire too mature for her age? Or like the story that she wrote, like, is that realistic? And then I was like, wait a second, I have a niece that that is basically Claire. I mean, she's a couple years older now, but like, probably a couple of years ago, she would have been doing the same type of stuff. Obviously she was not put in that position, but in terms of writing the story like that, I think um, I decided that it probably could be realistic with the right kid. Yeah. um, There's, you know, I teach eighth grade and there is a huge difference between some of my eighth grade girls. I mean, some of them are practically women already, it seems like just in their maturity level and what they're thinking about and that kind of thing. And then there are some that are still those silly, giggly, you know, mean girls or whatever. So there is a huge, and I think because of Claire's very close relationship with her mother, someone who may not have always been very stable, I think that helped her to grow up quite a bit. And it sounds like her mom shared a lot of things with her culturally and otherwise that probably made her a little more mature than some other 11 year olds. 
I mean, I kind of thought you might bring this up, mom, or maybe even Jess, but mom shared some other things with her too. Yeah. Culturally. Yeah, oh, that did. was such an uncomfortable scene at the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I just knew that she was mentally ill. I knew that she was spiraling into something. I wasn't sure if she was um, schizophrenic or what it was. I didn't know if it was bipolar disorder, or which it was what it turned out to be. I knew that anything she said was a result of her mental illness, the chemicals in her brain, not because that would be something she would ever consider appropriate. Mm-hmm. Well, and then I mean, when Claire walked downstairs too, and I know right, mom didn't right. purposely oh, yeah. share that. And the right. fact that Claire recognized him, that made it that mm-hmm. much weirder. Yeah, very sad. Things that children should not know about. Mm-hmm. And have to see their parents doing. <laughs> Especially right. if it's their parent and a random person. Right. And their right. money is spiraling. Yeah. Anyway. So Pam brought up book. the sex this time. Okay. Let's take note of that. I didn't call it that. I just appropriately mentioned mm-hmm. an awkward situation. Mm-hmm. So we could discuss it forever. <laughs> I mean, maybe I know you guys. You do know us fairly well. Do you? Have you met us? <laughs> um, okay, cool. Anything else or shall we end on a sex note? Let's end on a sex note. Those are my favorite. <laughs> All right. That feels more like a good <laughs> podcast ending. All right, listeners. Well, on that note, we will be back in two weeks with the second book in the series by Marissa De Los Santos called Belong to Me. In the meantime, be sure to check us out on Instagram at Novel Expressions Book Club. And hopefully you love our show enough to tell everyone you know to listen. Until we read again.